Welcome to Transformation in 10, bringing you expert insights for navigating the transformations impacting application delivery. This podcast is presented by Tricentus and brought to life by our special guests across the quality, DevOps, cloud, and business worlds. I firstly have to apologize for the slout croak in my voice, but the show must go on. This time around, I am especially excited to introduce our guest, our very own Dr. Grigori Melnik, Chief Product Officer at Tricentus. Hello, Grigori. How's it going today? Hello, Emma. Thanks for having me. It's our absolute pleasure. And believe it or not, Grigori, this is not the first time you've been mentioned on the podcast. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. It's all good. Uh, You may remember we had Alan Schimmel on the show a few weeks back. He was reminiscing about moderating the first ever DevOps Unbound episode, which featured yourself and James Back. And Alan referred to you as, and I quote, a PhD who is a testing aficionado, (laughs) (laughs) as well as spearheading the product teams at Tricentus. You are also a CPO advisory board member at Insight Partners, which focuses on helping tech companies scale and a board member at Chatter, which provides an advanced conversational AI solution. So it's safe to say that you're at the frontier of tech innovation and growth. And there are many areas that we could dig into today, but we are going to put the cloud at the forefront. So let's get into it. I'm excited. Transitioning our product line into the cloud, that has been a real priority for our roadmap at Tricenters in 2021. Can you share why we're moving in that direction and what our listeners should expect? Yeah, absolutely. And it's not like just 2021 when we were focusing on the cloud. We already have several products that are available both in the SaaS software as a service mode as well as on-prem. And then there's some that were actually designed to be cloud native and cloud only also. But our flagship product, our line that's called Tosca, has uh, traditionally been a, an on-prem product and, and and actually had been delivering a lot of value to uh, testers over a decade. And this is where we see an opportunity to uh, go in the cloud simply because it's it's the speed to innovate. Uh, we're optimizing for the innovation speed. Um, Transcendus' motto is speed changes everything. And if you think about it, in the cloud, you can much easier and much faster scale. You can uh, build and secure your solutions in a much more efficient way. You can troubleshoot, you can upgrade, you can maintain. All of those things become a lot, a lot, lot simpler. So, and again, more efficient. So our customers are moving to the cloud as well. So we have to uh, support their transition. The world largely has spoken. The, the cloud uh, is in the mainstream now. It's no longer just the research project somewhere else. It's a dominant uh, paradigm. And uh, and actually, the last year of COVID has only accelerated that transformation. Uh, we see it everywhere. I mean, even in the customers that you would probably look at as most, um, you know, I don't want to say laggards, but the, the ones that, that move uh, slowly, move with caution, move, uh, they have to because they handle, I don't know, big multi, you know, not just million, mm. but billion dollar transactions like banks, right? They're going away with the data centers like CIBC, Canadian Imperial Bank of Commerce, clearly said no more data centers. Like they're really dismantling, they're moving away from it. And there are many, many, many examples like that. So for us, it's not even the question of are we going to the cloud or not? The question is how aggressively are we moving to the cloud? And by the way, that's the same question that many CIOs and CTOs and many companies are, you know, addressing with their renewed uh, strategies to uh, 
move to the cloud today. So uh, I, I think this is all very, very aligned with the current market trends and the future state of the world. The cloud has won, no doubt about it. <laughs> the cloud has spoken. And yeah, it's a given now. It's a no-brainer. It has to be implemented in order to keep up. And as you say, especially to keep up with our customers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really cool to know that, you know, we're very much on that journey and there's there's more to come. So uh, our listeners can anticipate that. Now then, can you delve into what our organizational setup is at Tristantis to deliver products in the cloud? And I'm told that you followed, at least partially, an approach from a book called Zone to Win, Organizing to Compete in an Age of Disruption. And I'd love to hear more on that if you'd like to share. Yes, yes, yes. So Zone to Win, actually, it's a book I recommend. Uh, Jeffrey Moore, an illustrious author, he actually had, I think, tested it out on uh, several companies, uh, including Splunk when I was at Splunk. And yeah. and there's a lot of things that he put in the book that actually resonated with me in the way how I'm organizing uh, R&D. But of course, if you think about, you know, delivering products uh, in the cloud, it's not just the matter of product development, right? It's a coherent story with uh, multiple functions, including cloud operations and uh, cloud security, and also the field and field enablement and the sales. Like there's all of these functions around the cloud delivery uh, that need to be organizationally uh, set up to to deliver. But inside R&D itself, what we've done, we have looked at our portfolio of products because again, our current uh, continuous testing platform consists of, you know, half a dozen of very, very uh, strong uh, products. And we looked at uh, where are they today in terms of the specific uh, mission, let's call it that way, okay? Mm -hmm. So uh, what the zone to win or management approach uh, advocates for is that you think of areas of your delivery as performance zone, then the transformation zone, and there's also the other two, which again, originally we didn't have clearly articulated, but now we're going to be bringing them in as well, yeah. called productivity zone and innovation zone. Okay. And the performance zone, think of it as your factory. This is your cash cow. This is where your main products that are actually delivering uh, value and producing revenue for you are. And as such, you, um, you actually have to protect it. You have to protect it in a way where this factory is able to, uh, run organically and and it doesn't mean that you don't introduce any kind of innovation there quite on the contrary you do but the key here is that this is your main revenue making machine so you have to be very 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 careful about you know how fast you move okay or or what kind of uh, what kind of changes you introduce in the performance zone right because again this is something that fuels all the other initiatives and all the other zones and all the other um, you know, growth that you're planning for. The transformation zone, this is where actually the next big idea, so the type of innovation that is likely going to be disruptive in nature, and you actually organize your development uh, in that zone, or you have the products that are going through that zone, which eventually, once you're actually able to get through, the transformation zone will become the performance zone. In our case, all of our new cloud native platform that we're building in Tricentis, that is represented by the transformation zone. And once we deliver it, and once that becomes the mainstream and we migrate uh, all of our users to the new platform, this will become the performance zone. You can look at the similar mm. examples in uh, other companies, right? You know, think of it like, you know, Office versus Office 365, right? Think of it as uh, any kind of... Uh, uh, transformation where people have, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, brought in a uh, 
um, a, a, a major, major change to the way how things are done. Now, how do we identify ideas? How do we even decide on the transformation, right? Because with the transformation zone, this means that we organizationally have decided that this is a priority and we're marching towards that, right? Mm-hmm. Before, and by the way, it's very hard to have a transformation zone with too many transformation projects going on at the same time. Usually you have like okay. one transformative idea, one transformative innovation, uh, disruptive innovation that you're going with uh in order to execute uh, properly. But before you get there, this is where the innovation zone comes in, where you can incubate or you can try different things very quickly. You have a few of those uh, uh, research projects. And then the productivity zone, this is actually what we used to call actually cross zone internally. But again, it, it does make sense to call it productivity because it actually focuses on the work that is helping the rest of the teams other teams to be more productive, okay? So anything that we're doing that is a cross-functional, cross-product, helps with, you know, things like, I don't know, product security, et cetera, we are, uh, we are associated with the productivity zone. Now, an interesting phenomenon uh, happened uh, at Transcendence over the last year when we introduced just these first two major zones, performance zone and transformation zone, mm-hmm. where some people, and this is again, you know, in the spirit of intellectual honesty and the spirit of uh, self-criticism and looking at how we can uh, improve ourselves, I have, you know, people provided feedback where um, some members of the development teams that belong to the performance zone were feeling like, wait a second, what does it mean? Am I working on a legacy product? Well, no, not mm. so. Okay, you're working on the product that is or products that are responsible for you know ninety five percent or ninety percent of the revenue, right? So uh, again, it, it's it's super critical to the mission of the company. It's super critical to our future, and it's an established product. That's all it means. It's an established product. It doesn't mean that we do not continue to improve the product. Now, having said that. It, it also means that you are not introducing an entirely new opportunity. You're not defining a new market. You're not defining a new way of doing this. Mm-hmm. And this is where our transformation uh, zone work um, uh, happens. Now, the important thing to also remember is that at some point, there's just no way uh, that the transformation zone will keep on like, oh, this is some project up there in the cloud, no pun intended, that never eventualizes into something very specific and very concrete. Transformation zone, by definition, has to become a performance zone at some point and Mm. sooner rather than later, right? So what happens is that everybody who is working in a transformation zone will be in the performance zone uh, at some point, which actually uh, now brings to the whole thought of how uh, how to formulate, how to introduce people who are not familiar with zones to this idea is that it's actually not an organizational unit. It's Mm -hmm. a transitory state. You start with an idea, you do some spike and you do some prototype and you do some research, then you decide, okay, yes, this is the one, this is one of this out of these hundreds of ideas, the one that we should absolutely pursue. Mm -hmm. You go and you formulate it as a transformation zone and you protect it and you give enough resources and funding and enough degrees of freedom for people to actually go and pursue that as opposed to worry about, okay, well, what's my technical debt? What's my backlog Mm -hmm. of existing customers? What am I doing with all of them, right? In the transformation zone, you have the privilege uh, of going a lot faster because, again, you haven't inherited anything yet. In the performance Mm -hmm. zone, every step, every quarter, 
every plan, everything on the backlog, all this prioritization that you're doing, you're always balancing the opportunity for the product innovation with mm-hmm. the uh, bunch of the uh, feature requests, uh, bugs, yeah. technical issues, escalations, everything that exists in your mm-hmm. uh, in your customer realm, right? In the yeah, transformation yeah. zone, you don't have that. So you have this ability to uh, to go somewhat faster. Does this make sense? Yes, yes, it does. As you're explaining this, I, it just occurs to me that it's hugely transformative in its nature. If you're evolving from one zone to the next, it's that real life cycle approach. Whereas, as yeah. you say, it's you know you have to be kind of ready to go from from one zone to the next. Say the performance to the transformation, where you're in this real disruptive phase. And having read, I did read Crossing the Chasm by Jeffrey Moore, and he does kind of work on this life yeah. cycle model. So it's almost like this that it's a similar kind of thing. It's these stages that you go through. Exactly. And then as you're going through all of those stages again, you cannot you cannot forget about that you know little chasm between when you are going from the uh, uh, what was it? Early, uh, early, uh, early adopters, adopters. Uh, into, yes. into the late adopters and 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 uh, mainstream yes. because uh, exactly. there's lots and lots of products that have been promising yes. and you know yes. they've been kickstarted yeah. and everything, but they never mm-hmm. made it uh, because they were actually never able to cross yes. that uh, chasm into the mainstream. Exactly, they get left behind for whatever reason. And whilst we're kind of on the topic of disruption as well with the the transformation zone. You completed a disruptive strategy course with the Harvard Business School in 2019. And I'm interested to know, are there any takeaways from that course that you applied to your product strategy at Tricentis today? Yeah, I was the uh, disciple of Clayton Christensen, the professor of Harvard, who actually developed the theory of disruptive innovation. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know, was it 40 years ago, 1985, 1990, mm-hmm. something like that? And, uh, you know, The Innovator's Dilemma, that's the famous book that everybody should read. That was like one of the first ones in that series. And I was fascinated by the fact that he was, you know, not just doing the um, the research and testing of his theory, but of course, he was also teaching and, and engaging um, with practitioners. And, and that's what yeah. the Harvard Business School allowed you to, to do. And when I saw that there was a dedicated course on the, you know, disruptive strategy, I was like, well, you know what? Again, in the spirit of continuous learning and all of it, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm absolutely going to take it. And you know what? I was lucky. I was super lucky because unfortunately, that was the last time mm-hmm. when he taught it before he passed away. So I was effectively in the cohort of uh, students oh, wow. of uh, Professor uh, Christensen before he passed away. And oh. even, you know, I'm going to talk about the disruptive innovation and the lessons learned out of it, but I think the most important one. Uh, to me, that is like really raw engraved in my brain is that he was doing it. He was actually doing the course after having a massive stroke to a point where he was paralyzed and his brain was like he had to relearn wow. how to speak. And just think about wow. the internal strength and the resolute and, and the and the, uh, you know, the, the spirit of uh, of somebody like it's not like he needed to, to do it for any other reasons. Yeah. I mean, he's a, you know, he's, he's a very well known uh, figure in the world. And, 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 but, yeah. but here, you know, uh, he was actually able to go and do that. So it was, it was phenomenal. Um, and, um, and also the opportunity to uh, work with, you know, uh, analyze the case studies and mm-hmm. think about things with uh, lots of other uh, practitioners uh, and not only executives, but from all 
all kinds of industries and all kinds of levels and functions uh, was uh, very valuable to me. Well, my talk with Grigori was certainly a roller coaster from discovering the four different zones within our research and development teams at Tricentis to learning about the tremendous impact and tenacity of the late great Clayton Christensen with his theory of disruptive innovation. And if one thing is now crystal clear, it's that, as Grigori puts it, the cloud has won no doubt about it. To hear more astute assertions from Grigori, stay tuned for part two of our discussion. You are going to want to listen to find out how McDonald's milkshakes relate to our product strategy at Tricentis and much more. Many thanks for listening. Until next airtime. Thank you.